0: We moved into the house on Wells Place when I was eight years old. I remember there was a certain thrill to it, a whole new neighborhood to explore, and my parents had promised me that there were other kids in the neighborhood. I couldn't wait to meet them. I was a social child. I liked being outside. I liked meeting new kids, and I wanted to make new friends. My mom used to say I'd befriend anyone. I guess she was right. On the day we moved in, I was too young to help with the actual work. My dad told me to go outside and play, so long as I stayed in our backyard. It was a new neighborhood, and most of the yards weren't fenced off, so, realistically, I could have wandered wherever I wanted. I stepped outside onto the uncut grass. There was an infinite row of houses on either side of me, a surreal inverse of a suburban street. I saw playsets meant for kids, sitting out in the open, but no other kids to play with. I doubt I'd really have noticed them even if they'd been there. No, my attention was immediately grabbed by the house right behind mine. I'd seen it before, but never up close. The red brick looked worn. It was clearly older than most of the other houses around it. The windows were always dark. Very rarely would you see movement behind them. None of that was what drew me to it, though. No, I saw the garden that dominated its backyard. It looked like something out of a magazine, countless beautiful flowers of all sorts of colors, and beautifully trimmed hedges, although I never saw anyone tending them. There was a lovingly placed stone pathway, and the soothing sound of running water coming from a fountain deep within the garden itself, I saw nothing at first but that garden, and slowly I made my way towards it. I looked back once, making sure no one would stop me before I stepped through the hedges to explore. It dominated the yard entirely. The stone path had bits of fine gravel in between the stones, and I saw a few beautiful statues sitting amongst the flowers, birds and squirrels that looked almost real enough to move there was a beautiful smell of fresh flowers that wafted through the garden and the gently running water set me at ease I approached the fountain it too was stone and stood just a little bit taller than I was standing behind it was a tall and oddly frightening statue it looked older than anything else in the garden and wasn't made with quite the same craftsmanship as the others had been it looked almost like an ancient relic crude yet ornate in its own way. It depicted a blocky figure with a dress made of writhing snakes. They held a severed head in two of their four hands, and instead of a head atop their shoulders were two kissing snakes, each with massive, terrifying fangs. I stared up at the statue, wondering what it could be. Slowly, I approached it. I reached out to touch it, but before I could, I heard a voice, Who are you? I turned suddenly, and then I saw her. She was a little older than I was. She was taller, but not by much. She was still very clearly a child. Her skin was pale, and her eyes seemed to shimmer with an unnatural light. It was hard not to look into her eyes. There was something about them. She wore a bandana, but I couldn't see any other hair. She was thin and looked just a little bit sickly. She reminded me of my Grandpa Ike, when he'd passed away. He looked the same in his final days. I didn't know what cancer was back then, but I knew what sickness looked like. "'I'm Jordan,' I said. "'What's your name?' She stared at me for a few moments, sizing me up before letting her guard down. "'Venus,' she said. "'You're not supposed to be here. Mom doesn't like people in her garden.' "'Sorry,' I just wanted to have a look, I replied. It's really pretty. I like the statues, except this one. It's creepy. Venus looked up at the one I gestured to, the woman with the two snakes where her face should be. That's Coatlicue, the mother of the gods. Mum worships her, Venus said. She's old, Aztec, Mum says. Aztecs, native people from Mexico. They're really old. Mum makes me read about them. It's kind of cool. I looked back at the statue of Coatlicue. Terrifying as she was, it was kind of fascinating to think that some people had worshipped her as a goddess. Will you tell me more? I asked. Venus seemed to hesitate for a moment. I could, she said. Mum doesn't like me talking with people outside. Because you're sick? I asked. Venus paused. Yeah, she said after a few moments. She took a step back. You should go. Mom might see, and she doesn't like people in her garden. We could sit behind one of the shrubs, I offered. You could tell me about the Aztecs. I don't think that thought had occurred to Venus before. She went silent, thinking it over. Jordan. I looked back. That was my own mother's voice. Shoot. Got to go, I said. I looked back at Venus. Maybe next time? She looked a little bit dumbstruck. Uh, maybe, she finally said, then watched as I took off, headed back home to get scolded by my mother. She'd called me back to meet the neighbors. It was a small family, just like mine who lived next door, Howard and Lauren. They had a kid, just my age, named Emily. I remember that they wore muddy jeans and kept their hair in a ponytail. Just looking at them, I knew we'd be best friends. I got the feeling that they were thinking the same. It wasn't five minutes later that we were outside together, already getting to know each other. "'So, where are you coming from?' they asked. "'Out by Sudbury,' I replied. "'We moved here cause Dad got a new job and wanted to be closer to work. "'How far is Sudbury?' "'I don't know. Dad said four hours.' It was a really long drive. We had to stay in a hotel when we were looking at houses. Emily whistled as we walked along, hands in their pockets. Sorry you had to move all the way out here, they said. It's not so bad, though. Jane lives just a few houses down, and she goes to my school. Then there's Megan. She's down the street. People can be mean to her, but she's really nice when you get to know her. Then there's Nikki. She's super nice. What about Venus? I asked. Venus? They raised an eyebrow. Yeah, the girl in that house there. I pointed to the one with the garden. I could see someone else standing by the fountain, but it wasn't Venus, and I couldn't make out the details of her face. She was very tall, very thin, and wore a wide-brimmed sun hat. I imagined it must have been Venus's mother. She was staring at us, but I was too far away to read the look on her face. My new friend just frowned. Um, I've never met her, honestly. I think I saw her a few times out in the garden, but I've never actually met her. I ran into her earlier. She seemed nice. Maybe you can meet her sometime. Yeah, that'd be pretty cool, they said. We looked at the woman standing by the fountain, and we both watched as she turned and went inside. With that, we moved on to other topics. I met most of the other kids on the block, but I think I got closest to Emily. After just a few months, we became almost inseparable. We shared everything we could share. Being neighbors helped. We could see each other whenever we wanted to, and it was almost like having a sibling. I did return to the garden, looking for Venus, but I never saw her. It was always empty, save for the calming sound of the running water. My dad had set up a tent outside for us to play in, since I was a little too old for some of those play forts. Emily and I spent a few nights in there, reading scary stories and hanging out. It was one of the last nights of summer when we were having a sleepover in there. They'd gotten me into James Bond, and we were watching one of the movies on a portable DVD player. I wish I was James Bond, Emily said, as Bond fought Gustav Graves on a crashing plane. Cause you'd be a cool spy? I asked. Why not Jinx? She's a cool spy too. Yeah, but... Bond goes on all the cool adventures. In every movie, it's usually the guys who get to be cool. There's cool girls too, I pointed out. Like in Terminator. Yeah, but not as many. I don't know. I don't like being a girl though. It's hard to explain. Sometimes, sometimes I think God made a mistake. I'd still like it if you were a boy or a girl, I said. They looked over at me. There was a thoughtful look in their eyes. You mean it? Of course. You're my best friend. That wouldn't change. After a few minutes, they nodded. I think that something I'd said had set them at ease. I could tell there was something they wanted to say, but they were choosing their words carefully. Near the end of the movie, I noticed that they'd fallen asleep. They were face down in their sleeping bag and snoring softly, I turned off the movie and went to take the DVD player inside, just in case it rained. The house was quiet. It was pretty late. But as I came back out, I heard someone singing softly. I stopped. It wasn't a song I recognized, but I knew where it was coming from. I walked past the tent, towards the garden of the other house. The singing got louder, and as I walked down the stone pathway the gravel crunching under my footsteps, I heard it stop. Hello? I recognized Venus's voice immediately. She rounded the corner and stopped when she saw me. There was only the calming sound of the fountain left to fill the air. Hi, Venus, I said. I haven't seen you in a while. Hi. Her tone was guarded and shy. I expected her to tell me to leave, but she didn't. "'I was looking for you, but you weren't in the garden when I came back,' I said. "'I saw—' "'Mom doesn't like me going out too much,' Venus said shyly. "'I saw your tent, though. It's really nice.' "'Thanks. Emily's staying over right now, but they're asleep, and I heard you singing, so I wanted to say hi.' Venus smiled shyly. "'I was praying, actually,' she said. To Kowalike. Mum says that if you pray hard, maybe she'll bestow a gift upon you. What kind of gift do you want? I asked. Venus hesitated for a moment. To not be sick anymore, I guess, she said. I was born the way I am, but I don't like it. Mum says to embrace it because it's part of me, but I don't want to. I don't know if praying to Kowalike will help, but it makes me feel better. Well, I hope you get your wish, I said. Maybe if you get better, we could hang out more. Venus stifled a laugh. Hang out? she asked. Yeah, you seem really nice, and I still do want to learn about the Aztecs. I saw a small smile on Venus' lips. She looked back towards her house before deciding if it was safe. Well, if you really want to know, I've got a book I could show you. Since I don't really get to go out much, I read a lot. We could read it together, I offered. Her smile widened. Yeah, I'd like that. I waited out in the garden, behind a hedge as Venus left to get her book and a flashlight. Then we sat there in the dark, and I listened as she told me everything she knew. It wasn't long until it all spilled out of her, just like the water from that fountain. I realize now just how lonely she was. Even now, I don't think I really understand just how much it meant to her to be able to share this with someone, but I'm glad she could. Of course I had to introduce her to Emily. I told Venus I'd be happy to meet her the next night and asked if I could bring them along. She'd been reluctant, but she'd said yes. I could tell that Venus was happy as she told us all about the grisly human sacrifice rituals of the Aztecs and we ate it up entirely. The three of us were so taken in by what she was saying that we barely noticed that most of the night had slipped away from us. I remember that Emily had listened in with wide eyes, leaning forwards. It was kind of nice to see. The only thing better than making new friends... Was bringing them together. The three of us built something that night, something that was probably going to last forever. I hoped it would. Our lives continued like that. Emily and I would go to school together, and we had our lives there. But whenever we got the chance, we'd go into Venus's garden together and hang out. It gravitated from stories about the Aztecs to movies and scary stories. We never really left the garden. Venus seemed most comfortable there, and neither of us wanted to push her out of her comfort zone. I never really saw her mother, and I never saw her father, if Venus even had one, but I suspected she knew what we were up to. The closest I'd ever come to a conversation with a woman had been when I'd entered the garden once looking for Venus. From time to time, it wasn't uncommon to hear some work being done in the garden the sound of a hammer hitting stone. I assumed that they were building a new statue or something. New ones showed up in the garden from time to time. A couple of times, Venus had been the one out there, breaking down excess stone and scattering it amongst the gravel. I just wanted to take a peek and see if it was her. The sound stopped as I got closer, and I stepped quietly as I made my way through the garden and stepped towards the fountain. I found her mother there, a hammer by her side and dust on her hands. She was kneeling before the statue of Coatlicue, silently praying. I was about to slip away when her head darted to the side and she looked at me with the same piercing gaze Venus had. I froze, dead in my tracks, when she smirked. She's asleep, she said. I'd never heard her speak before. Her voice was soft and maternal. She'll be out later. "'Oh, oh, okay,' I stammered. Her mother looked me over before giving a huff of approval. "'You're bold. I respect that. But please, do watch your step. There are things in my garden that bite if provoked.' With that, she turned and left me alone. It was the closest thing I ever got to a blessing on our friendship. When we were twelve, Emily had asked me to stop calling him by that name. He was james from now on and i was just fine with that his parents didn't agree with the change they still called him by his dead name i would never use that name again or refer to him as a girl he never was one i didn't completely understand but i respected it james was my best friend more than that he was my brother and i loved him like a brother as we walked home together after school one december evening I remember that he looked to be in high spirits. He'd cut their short hair, although it was just a little bit shaggy. He liked his sweaters and jeans. He'd thrown out all his dresses before he'd told me that he was a boy. I think he was working up to it, inching towards becoming the man he needed to be, and slowly discarding every part of his identity that he didn't want until only the parts he wanted to keep were left. Some people tried to give him shit for it, I didn't let them. James was my brother, and nobody picked on my brother. I remember that as the snow was falling beautifully and we were shooting the shit on the way home, we talked about going to see if Venus was around. She'd become more comfortable coming into my house during the winter. We could sit on the couch together and watch movies or play video games. She still looked sickly, but as far as I could tell, she hadn't gotten worse. I never asked about her condition. I already knew she preferred not to talk about it. As we turned onto our street, though, we saw the police car. James stopped dead in his tracks. They were right outside his house. I could see the fear on his face. I felt it, too. We didn't know what had happened, but we knew it was bad. Without a word, he took off through the snow. He raced towards his front door with me at his heels. The front door hung open, and I could see his mother with two cops, one on each side of her. I don't remember the conversation that followed. I remember fragments. I remember that they kept calling James by his dead name, and he couldn't form the words to correct them. I remember the tears streaming down his face as he was told why his dad wasn't coming home. It was the snow. He'd taken a turn too fast, and his car had skidded off the road it was an accident but that didn't take away the sting i remember watching james back away from the cop tears streaming down his face and then he ran as if he could leave the pain behind in that room i could only watch him go rooted to the spot by my own grief even if his parents didn't understand james and dismissed his transition as just a phase. They were still like family to me. I couldn't hate them for their ignorance, and I couldn't help my own grief. James! I remember calling. He was already long gone. I managed to move my feet to chase him outside before I followed his tracks in the snow. I found James on his lawn, on his knees and sobbing. All I could do was wrap my arms around him, and hug him as the tears flowed from both of us. I'm here, I said to him. I'm sorry, man. I'm so sorry. He couldn't answer. I didn't expect him to. That night I met Venus in the garden. I told her what had happened, and I remember the quiet, pensive look on her face. Her hand covered her mouth. She seemed almost ready to double over. Is he at home? she asked me. "'He said he just wanted to go to bed,' I replied. "'I don't blame him.' Venus slowly nodded. We stood by the fountain in the front of the statue of Coatlicue. "'If I don't see him before you do, tell him I'm sorry,' she said after a while. "'I will. I promised.' She looked up at the statue, staring into the eyes of the twin serpents that made up her face. "'Jordan,' "'Will you pray with me?' she asked. "'For James and his dad?' "'I'd never prayed to Coatlequay before, "'but I hoped it might make me feel better. "'I told her I would, and we knelt in the snow, side by side. "'She taught me how to sing to Coatlequay. "'I didn't know what the words meant, "'and I struggled to even pronounce them. "'But it did make me feel better. "'It was as if something was really listening to me, "'even if it was just a Venus.' I was there for James as he healed, as was Venus. He was quiet for a long while after, but we still made him get out of the house. We went through the motions, even if the sorrow radiated off of him like a disease. Grief doesn't go away. You can't forget about the ones you love when they're gone. It's like an old wound. Sometimes it opens and the pain comes back. I think not everyone can understand that. I'm lucky. I've never had to deal with the death of a parent. James did, and I watched as he tried to move on. As we turned 14, then 15, he went back to his old self for the most part. I knew that the wound would never truly heal, and it never would, but James found a way to live with it, until Caden. Lauren, James's mom, started dating a little under a year after his dad had passed, James told me a bit about some of the men she'd introduced him to. She met Caden while we were in ninth grade, and he'd stuck around. I remember the first time I met him. It was a weekend in May. Our first year of high school was almost over. He was in James's backyard grilling on the barbecue. The steak smelled a little burnt. I'd come over looking for James when I saw him. He was a short man with a receding hairline and a graying beard. He spoke in a friendly, jovial tone when he saw me. Hey, buddy, uh, you one of Emily's friends? Emily. It took me a moment to realize who he was talking about. He goes by James, I said. Caden's smile faltered. Then he shrugged. Well, she's upstairs. Can't come out right now. Got into a bit of a spat with her mom, you know. His upbeat grin never once faded. I knew that James and his mom fight. Actually... I thought their relationship had been getting better. I'd even heard her calling him James. Oh, do you have uh, any idea when he'll be out? Caden tilted his head to the side a bit. Sorry, not sure. I don't make the rules, buddy. I could throw an extra steak on the barbecue if you want to join us for dinner, though. You're Jordan, right? She talks about you a lot. Why the hell was he calling him she? That was really starting to grate on my nerves. James hated it when someone misgendered him, and I hated hearing it. I'm all right, I said. I didn't want to be near this guy. Beneath his too-friendly facade, something felt off. He watched me as I went, his friendly smile never fading and never actually seeming all that friendly. James had to wear a dress to the wedding. Caden didn't like his short hair and wouldn't let him cut it. He didn't like the way James looked without makeup, so he had to wear it. He didn't like the name James, so he called him Emily. I was at the wedding, and I sat with James at a table. I remember how tense he was, almost as if he was on the verge of tears. It wouldn't be the first time I'd seen him cry over Caden. In just a matter of months, this man had come into his life to fill the void his dad left, and he'd changed everything in the worst of ways. I avoided Caden like the plague whenever I could. He was never rude to me or anything other than cloyingly polite. Somehow that was worse. I didn't tell James what he'd said to me before the wedding when he'd stopped me outside. I'd found a statue in my backyard, a stone squirrel that looked like it was in the process of trying to run away. That happened sometimes. Venus's house was on a slight incline above mine and sometimes the wind blew statues towards my house. That's how she explained it, at least. I was always amazed they ended up so close. We jokingly called them runaways. I could hear the sound of a hammer breaking down stone in the garden. Venus was probably out there. I'd been bringing that runaway back when Caden had called out to me. Hey, Jordan, just the man I wanted to see. I turned to look at him, almost flinching at the way he said my name. He walked up to me with the same bullshit smile on his lips he always wore. How goes it, buddy? You doing all right? Fine, I replied curtly, trying to end this conversation. Great, uh, great. Hey, hey, if you got a minute, I wanted to talk to you about Emily. You mind? Very much so, but I let him continue. It's not like I could have stopped him. So, I keep hearing you calling her James, Yeah. That's a thing you guys do, right? His name is James, I replied. Well, see, that's the thing. It's actually not. It's Emily. Now, Emily's a little bit confused. She's kind of sick. I'm talking to her mom about getting some therapy for that. Always sorts that kind of thing right out. But if she's gonna get better, you gotta stop pretending she's something she's not. You gotta start calling her Emily. Okay, bud? I looked at Caden dead in the eye. I hated this man. I hated him for the way he treated my best friend. A guy I thought of as a brother. I felt the statue in my hand, and I wanted to hit him with it. His name is James, I repeated. Caden's smile faded. Yeah, sure buddy, look. I really don't want us to not have to be friends, but if you're going to go around helping Emily believe these delusions... I can't let you continue being around her. I almost laughed at that. We were next-door neighbors who went to the same school. What the hell was he going to do to stop me from seeing him? That flash of anger in his eyes made me think twice about calling his bluff, though. I was alone out there with Caden. My parents weren't home. I think he knew that, too. He was still an adult. He could take James out of school. He could even move. Those were extreme measures— but something told me he'd do them. I couldn't leave James alone with this asshole. I couldn't risk that. All right, I said. Whatever you say. Whatever you say, sir, Caden corrected. Whatever you say, sir, I repeated. Caden grinned. He put his hand on my shoulder, squeezing it. Attaboy. boy. I knew you'd get it. See you around, kid. With that... He left and I glared at him as he left. I never told James about that. He didn't need to know. At school I brought a change of clothes in my backpack. James hated wearing dresses so I gave him something proper to change into. He could get away with not wearing makeup. It wasn't ideal, but it was better than misgendering him. Most of the other students knew to call him James, as did most of the teachers. School became the only place where James seemed happy anymore. There were a few assholes who tried to give him trouble, but I did what I could to keep them off his back. We made it through high school this way. It wasn't perfect, but it was better than nothing. We were in 12th grade when things came to a head. James was looking forward to heading off to university in Toronto. He was going into the same program as our friend Jane was. I was just planning to do a victory lap. I didn't know what I wanted to do yet, and thought the extra time to figure it out would be nice. It was March, winter was ending, and spring was coming back. James and I walked to school early, and then I gave him my backpack as we dipped into the washroom so he could change, just like we did at the beginning and end of every school day. James was quiet on the walk-in, but unfortunately, that wasn't all too unusual. I could sense that something was wrong, wronger than usual, but I didn't want to force it out of him. He knew he could talk to me. He always knew that. James was in the stall changing when I heard the first sobs. Immediately, I was there for him. James, I asked. Hey, are you okay, man? No. His voice was utterly broken. What happened? He didn't answer for the longest time, but when he did... I do not want to repeat what he told me. He told me about Caden, how when his mother wasn't home, sometimes Caden came into his room, how he would stroke his hair and say things to him. He told me so much more than that. I don't know how long this had gone on for. James never told me. I have never asked him. I remember the hollow feeling I felt in my chest as my head leaned against the stall, listening to my best friend cry. It felt like someone had scooped out my insides and left nothing in their place. When James came out of the stall, I wrapped my arms around him, unsure of what to say. The gravity of this was not lost on me, but I didn't know what to do or how to stop it. All I felt was pure rage bubbling up from my core. After school, I came home with that feeling still in my chest. Letting James go home felt like sending him off to a death sentence. I remember stepping out into my backyard. There were more fences than there had been years ago. There was one between mine and Venus's house, but a short one with a gate I could go through. James and I still shared a backyard. The last snow of the year was still melting into the grass. I could hear the distant tweeting of birds, speaking of birds. I saw a stone one laying on the ground near my porch. I picked it up. A runaway. Slowly, I made my way over towards Venus's garden. I could hear her praying before the statue of Quietly and heard her stop when she recognized my footsteps on the gravel. "'Hey, Jordan,' she said cheerfully. Her gentle smile, when she saw the look on my face, faded quickly. I set the stone bird down without comment. "'Are you all right?' Venus asked. I didn't answer. My body was quaking with the emotions I'd held in all day. The eruption was coming. Tears welled in my eyes and Venus ran to me, her arms quickly wrapping around me as I hugged her and started to cry. Maybe I shouldn't have told her, but it felt like all I could do. Caden! ah, Caden! He's, he's been going into James's room at night! Venus didn't answer. I felt her holding me tightly. Her silence spoke volumes. She knew what that meant. I could feel her tensing up. She was just as angry as I was. We sat there in silence, holding each other in mutual grief for what that man had done to our friend. I regretted telling Venus almost instantly. That wasn't my trauma to share. And yet, part of me almost felt better having done so. I didn't stay long. I'd come to return the runaway, not to shoot the shit. I went to bed early that day, too miserable to stay awake. It was the sirens that woke me up, flashing red and blue out front of James' house. I could see a police car in the driveway. The sight was sickeningly familiar to me. It filled me with dread. Immediately, I was up and partially dressed. It was four in the morning, although I didn't have time to look at the clock. I just ran for the front door and outside. I didn't give a damn about James's mother. She'd worn out the last of my goodwill when she'd let Caden into his life. I didn't care about Caden either. The only person that mattered to me was James. The front door was open. I heard the police talking to James's mother in the kitchen, but otherwise no one saw me. I don't know. He just never came back, I heard her say. This isn't like him. I didn't hear James. He had to still be upstairs. I took them two at a time, heading for his room. I didn't bother knocking. James looked at me from his bed. He'd been by the window, looking out at the police cars in his driveway. He looked pale. What happened? I asked. Caden, he replied. He went out last night. He didn't come back in. Mom's freaking out. Wait, he's gone? James nodded. Yeah... I don't know what happened, he's just… he's gone. He didn't sound upset, more so confused and afraid. His eyes settled on me, as if asking if this was my doing. I didn't have an answer for him. Then I heard it. The sound of a hammer hitting stone. Venus. This early in the morning, though? It wasn't unheard of, but something about it didn't seem right. James heard it too, but he didn't seem as interested in it as I was. Still, he knew something had my attention. "'What is it?' "'Venus,' I said. I looked at him. "'I... I saw her yesterday. I'm sorry. She, she asked me what was wrong, and I... I... I started crying, and... "'You told her? "'I'm sorry. "'I know I shouldn't have. "'I know. "'What the hell, Jordan?' James snapped. He was on the verge of tears again, too. I'm sorry. I just... I hated feeling helpless. James bit his lip. He looked out the window. He was furious with me. More than he could express. But that sound had his attention now, too. It seemed to stand above everything else. Do you... Do you think she... He started. He couldn't finish it. I don't know, I replied. I looked at him. We needed to see her. Nobody stopped us as we left the house. James walked ahead of me, not wanting to speak to me. I understood. I'd betrayed his trust. But this gnawing feeling in the back of our minds couldn't be ignored. Together we walked across the backyard towards Venus's garden. The sound of a hammer hitting stone grew louder and louder. I could hear bits of rock crumbling to join the gravel below. We both tread carefully, trying not to give ourselves away, as we crept through the garden and up to the center where the fountain and Coatlicue waited. James saw it first. He stopped dead in his tracks. A hand covered his mouth, and it was a moment before I saw it too. Venus stood over a fragmented statue, a hammer in hand as she shattered the rock with every swing. Neither of us had ever seen her hit without her bandana on. We'd assumed she was bald. We never would have imagined what was really under it. A mass of writhing snakes twisted around on her head. Some of them followed a bird who'd perched on a nearby shrub to watch the scene unfold. Some of them looked at us. On the ground at Venus's feet was Caden, or at least what was left of his stone visage. Most of his lower half was gone, reduced to pebbles as Venus swung the hammer down, over and over again, destroying any evidence of what she'd done. She paused, whirling around to see us. Her eyes widened in horror. The snakes atop her head hissed. No. The word was caught in her throat. James stumbled back a step. The hammer fell from Venus's hand. No. I... She backed away from us. For a moment, we just stared at each other, drinking in the truth of what we were seeing. I looked down at Caden's stone face, frozen in a horrified scream. His eyes were wide with terror. He'd seen the same thing we saw now, and it had been the last thing he'd seen. I'm sorry, Venus said. I... I just wanted him to stop. I was the first one to move. Slowly, I closed the distance between us and picked up Venus's fallen hammer. My eyes never left her. She shrank back, raising her hands as if she was ready to defend herself. I didn't take the hammer to her, though. Do you have two more of these? Was all I asked. I looked over at James, who still kept his distance. The police are here. It'll go faster with all of us. Venus blinked slowly. The snakes on her head watched me intently. After a moment, she managed to reply, "Uh, in In the shed. One sec. With that, she took off. I looked at James again, and he slowly drew closer to me. He looked down at Caden's stone corpse. The fear was draining from him, and quickly being replaced by a quiet conviction. I offered the hammer to him. He took it, and brought it down on Caden's face. When Venus returned, we both helped him. I think it goes without saying that they never found Caden's body. James doesn't talk to his mom these days. I don't blame him. She brought Caden into his life, even if she didn't know what was going on. There were other sins she was complicit in. He has me, though. He is still my best friend and my brother, after all these years, and I will still support him and I will support him for as long as I can. We went to Megan and Jane's wedding together. I was there when he graduated university. Every year we go to Pride together. One day I hope to be the best man at his wedding. He'll certainly be my best man. But I'm sure you're wondering the most about Venus. There isn't much to tell. After we disposed of Caden, James and I went back to his house, and Venus disappeared inside. We didn't say a word about what happened, but it wasn't the last time I saw her. I still see her whenever I can. She has that house to herself now. I don't know where her mother went. Venus probably doesn't either. She told me it's not good for two of her kind to stay so close together. She's not alone, though. She has me, and she has James. She usually keeps her bandana on whenever we see her, The snakes are easier to manage when it's on. I know she's afraid of them biting me or James and turning us to stone. It's the venom that does it. I've seen what it does to the unfortunate birds or squirrels they strike out at. As far as I can tell, she has no control over them. For what it's worth, I do think they like me. At least, I hope they do. Venus is still one of my best friends, and she always will be.